As we are turning now to look back at the book of Romans, I'm really excited because the book of Romans is so rich. And what I'm afraid of is that you may not remember all that happened in chapters 1 through 4 in the book of Romans. And last spring we did that, 1 through 4. Now we're picking up in Romans chapter 5. And Romans chapter 5, we're going to have to wait on getting to most of it. Because this morning we only have time for one verse. It's a good verse though. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As he says this, this verse right here begins a hinge in the book of Romans. In the first four chapters, he's laid out that we are in fact justified by grace through faith. And so I want to do a, a, a quick recap of that. Uh, that is our need for justification and how that comes about. So in Romans chapter 1, Paul puts forward this need that we have for justification. He says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He's putting out to us that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven. That is that we, we know who God is, that, that God is there, and as we see the way the world works, we have to acknowledge there is a God in heaven. We may not want that to be true, we may act at times as though that's not true, but the reality is that all of creation testifies to the fact that there is a God in heaven. That He is sovereign, that He created all things, and that He is Lord over all things. And if that's the case, then the things that we do that are against Him are against the Lord of all of creation. So it goes on in verses 19 through 23 of Romans chapter 1, and it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And that, as we talked about that last spring, just struck me that this is what's happening all the time. There is a God in heaven 
And the creation testifies to that fact, but instead we are exchanging the glory of the immortal God for what? We're exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That is, we're we're taking things that are lesser than God and we're putting them in God's place. We're bowing to them, we're worshipping them, we're, we're elevating them as though they were higher than God or more important than God. And very often we find ourselves putting ourselves in that place. That is, instead of acknowledging God and praising Him for the great things that He has done and for His grace to us, we praise ourselves for our hard work and all of our accomplishments and the things that we have managed to do. Or we praise somebody else who put us in this position and, oh wow, isn't it great that this great nation put me in this wonderful position? Isn't it great that my natural talents have put me in this position? Isn't it great that my parents have put me in this position? Rather than giving the glory and the credit to God. In the reverse, sometimes we do the opposite and we we blame other things and and we say, this is because of other... we, We... Let me turn it back. We blame people and say, you have not been favorable to me. And we resent that. Rather than understanding that God's grace is sufficient to us, we resent people and we sin against people because we are jealous of where they are or what they have done or the way that they have treated us. And so we, we see that this is the sin that is the problem, that God's wrath has been revealed against this ungodliness. As we, uh, as we reject Him and turn away from Him, God's wrath is kindled against that, which is a problem for us. Right? God, the Creator of the universe, the Lord over all things, is angry about sin. That's a problem. I've made other people angry from time to time. I say things that I shouldn't say. I do things that I shouldn't do. And, and they get mad at me. When I was a kid, I took other, my siblings' toys sometimes. Or I pushed them a little bit because I was the oldest kid. And they got mad at me. As I got older, some of those things got worse. It wasn't just taking somebody's toy or pushing them, but I offended them or said things against them. And they resented me for it. Their wrath was kindled against me. And that's a problem because now the relationship with that person is broken and, and they might exert influence to hurt me. Right? They want, might want to get back at me or they might want to do something that, that hurts me. God looks at us and says, look, the things that you are doing is not okay. You ought to be punished for that. It is not okay to not treat me as the sovereign God over the universe, because that is who I am. It is not okay to not acknowledge that. It is not okay to give that glory and praise to somebody else. That is not all right. And so his wrath is kindled against that. This isn't just true of the Greeks. It's, it's true of everybody In chapter 3, verse 9, it said, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. 
As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. There was this temptation for for some of the people to go, I'm God's people. I'm one of the Jews, we're one of the chosen people. We are not like the Gentiles, we are not like the Greeks. God loves us because of who we are. And he says, is that true? Are the Jews better off? No, nobody is righteous. Not even one. If we think about that, de- that righteousness, that definition of righteousness, doing right or being shown to be right in the right, nobody is shown to be in the right. Everybody is shown to be self-seeking. Everybody is shown to be in sin. What then, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. This is the problem that the whole world finds themselves in. But in chapter 3, verse 23... It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so Paul's writing and he's saying, look, I want you to all understand. I want you to all understand that everybody is in sin. Everybody has a sin problem. Everybody has to deal with the wrath of God because they have not acted righteously in all circumstances at all times. Everybody has sinned and has turned away from the glory of God to worship something else. And he said, therefore, we can be justified only by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. God looked at us and said, look, there is no way that you can please me on your own. There is no way that you can act well enough that I will go, wow, that's really amazing. Congratulations. You have earned my favor. No one can say that. No one can say, I earned the favor of God. We would like to be able to say that. We hear people say that all the time. I think God's probably okay with the things that I've done because by and large, I'm a good person. No, that, that's not how it works. God doesn't look at you and go, wow, that's really amazing. I don't look at my kids and say, hey, you know what? By and large today, you did really well. You did really well. Most of the day. You only pushed your, your sibling down the stairs the one time. I, I, I don't praise my kid for that. I take my kid aside and I say, that's not okay. But dad, dad, I was so good, like almost all day. I know, but you were so bad, like almost that one time. 
It's not okay. And in fact, to say that by and large we think we're pretty good people is overstating our cause because we have rosy glasses on. The reality is, most of the time, we're not acting the way that we should. And most of the time, when we say, by and large, I'm a pretty good person, what we mean is, I don't hurt other people. And what God means when he says you are righteous is you are acting at all times, in all circumstances, with all of your words, as though he is God of the universe and you are acknowledging that and giving him the credit and the glory through your actions and words. And when we measure ourselves up against that stick, suddenly we realize how poorly we are actually performing. You go into your boss and they give you the annual audit and review. Well, I'd just like to talk about how you've done this past year. How often you used your words and your actions to glorify the God who is in heaven. Let's see. Ooh. Not doing so great. And so since we cannot do it through our actions, there has to be another way or it is impossible for us to receive the grace of God, right? There has to be a different way for us to find favor with God. And in Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and then, verse 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God says, look, I see you cannot measure up. You cannot get it right. And so what I have done is I have given you a free gift. The gift of my son. Who has stood in your place to take the punishment that you deserve. For all of your sin, all of my wrath that is kindled against your sin, I have put that on my son, on Jesus, so that you can receive the gift of grace instead. And this is to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. And it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is the best part to me. The best part is that God figured out a way that he could extend his grace to you and love you while at the same time being just. This is the problem that we have in our culture is that we want to just accept people. We're just going to tolerate them. We're just going to accept them. We're just going to approve them. Whatever they do, it's okay. It's okay. Because I don't want to be condemning and I don't want to be judgmental and I don't want to be that kind of a person. But the problem is, at what point does the scale tip and you go, wait, 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 time out. That is not okay. And it does. Just take a look on social media. At some point, the scale tips and you ah, nope, not okay. That's not all right. I cannot tolerate that. How can we have, have it be both just and say there is right, there is wrong, 
there is true justice in the world. How can we have both justice and be justified if we don't deserve it? How can we have every single sin, every single wrongdoing appropriately handled and yet ourselves be acceptable to God? There's not a way to do that except through this. Through God's grace where he says, I am going to give Jesus in your place. This was to show his righteousness that God does right all the time. He always has. We aren't righteous. There's not a one of us that is. But God is. He has always done right. And the right thing that he has done is that in being perfectly just, he has justified us through his grace and said, I will handle sin. I will deal with wrath. I deal, put my wrath on sin and deal with it justly by punishing sin. But I will provide a substitute and I will put Jesus in your place so that by my grace, as a free gift to you, when you believe Jesus has substituted on your behalf and you are justified. Then in chapter 4, there's this illustration of Abraham and that this is how it had worked for Abraham. For what does the scripture say? Uh, Romans 4 verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And he uses Abraham as an example. Abraham, the one that uh, all of the Jews looked back to and said, this is the father of us. He's the one that God called. He obeyed God. And we look back to him as the example. And Paul is writing to them and says, now how was, how was Abraham showed to be righteous? Was it in his work? Or was it in his faith? And when you look back, it says Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. And you can read through chapter four and how he uh, elaborates on this and draws this out so that you can see that it was through faith that Abraham believed. But that's what was counted to him as righteousness. And he uses this so that we can see that God has always acted this way. God has always uh, responded to people by their faith in him. Not simply by their actions. Even all the way back to Abraham, when he made the covenant with him, it was because Abraham believed God that that was what was counted to, to him as righteousness. Not the right doing, right? You can read through Abraham's life and all of the things that he did and you go, man, Abraham, what were you thinking? Even I'm not that dumb. And that's saying something. And then you see some of the things that Abraham did do and the way he trusted God and the way he believed God and his faith. And God says, and that is why Abraham is righteous. It is because he has believed me. So then we get now to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified because 
we have been justified. Think about justification, right? When you're justifying yourself, what does that look like? You're trying to demonstrate to somebody else that you acted in the right, even when they think you didn't. I I was watching sports um, this week, and I was watching some college football, and they have a really aggressive rule about targeting. Targeting is uh, taking a shot at somebody's neck and head area. You're you're not allowed to aim at their neck and head area. You are not allowed to have helmet-to-helmet contact. You are not allowed to lead with the crown of the helmet. You are not allowed to launch into a vulnerable and exposed player. If you do any of these things and they see this is targeting, you will be ejected from the game. You're out. One offense. They take this very seriously. And so I was watching, and this player got, the flag was on the play, and I went, "Uh uh-oh, what's that about? Targeting. That's not good. Our safety might be thrown out of the game. We might not have this safety for the rest of the game. And so they show the replay, and the, the officials review it to see, was this targeting? Did he hit him in the head and neck area? Nope, he didn't. Was he aiming for the head and neck area? Nope, he wasn't. Did he lead with the crown of his helmet? No, he didn't. Did he launch? No. And so after they reviewed it, the official said, oh, we're going to pick up the flag. There's no penalty. The targeting call is withdrawn. He was justified. But you could see, while they were reviewing it, the camera is on him, and he's like this. Head down, on his knees, because he knows it doesn't matter if he intended to or not. If they call it targeting, he's out of the game. Justified. He was shown to have been in the right, and he got to stay in the game. Same thing for us. Right? If we look back, if we had God show back the replay of our lives, how do we do? Were we shown to be in the right on that play? Well, it wasn't on purpose. Doesn't matter. We're out of the game. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been justified by faith. They play back the the replay. They show us definitely in the wrong, sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident, but either way, definitely in the wrong. And we say, but I have faith. You should be thrown out of the game. Jesus was thrown out on my behalf. Now that's kind of a funny way of saying that. But that's, that's how it went. Jesus took the punishment that we were due. And we believe that. So we have been justified by faith. Because what we realize is that we otherwise could not be justified. The result is, now we have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. 
When that player was accused of a, a targeting hit, he didn't have peace. He had angst. Concern. He was worried. We have peace with God. Do you feel at peace with God? That feeling of, it's okay. The relationship here is, it's fine. I am not concerned about the wrath of God. I have peace. We feel peace when we are at peace, right? What's the opposite of peace? War. When you're at war, you are afraid that there is going to be an attack on you. We rightly would expect to be at war with God because of our sin. We know of God's wrath, that His wrath is against us, and we could be concerned about an attack. But we are not at war with God. We have peace with God. Because of the righteousness that we have, that comes through His justification, by faith, through Jesus. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We see this again. I'm just going to go back to Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. To show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. And it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's there's no other way to have peace with God other than faith in Jesus. There's no other way to be reconciled with God. There's no other way to appease God's wrath other than faith in Jesus. That's the only way. We have to have faith in Jesus. And the reason that that works is in Colossians chapter 1, which we read at the beginning of the service. It was great to read it together at the beginning of the service and then worship, but it's even better, I think, having gone through all of the first part of Romans and setting it up. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For in Him, that is Jesus, for in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. We were once alienated from God and hostile in mind and doing evil deeds, but have now been reconciled with him because of Jesus Because Jesus, being perfect, being God himself, died in our place. 
That's how it worked. And reconciled us to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now he has reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If what? If we work really hard? If we continue to do all of the right things? Nope. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast and not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. That's what we have to do. We have to be determined to cling to the hope of faith in Jesus. It's the only solution that we have. But when we have that and we are holding that, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. A peace we can have in no other way. Because if we don't have that faith, we rightly have angst. We rightly have concern about the wrath of God that's against us. But because we have faith in Jesus... The wrath of God is not against us. And we have peace with him. There are times that we don't feel at peace. There are times that that we feel um, as though the circumstances of life aren't going well for us. Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's losing a job. Sometimes it's economic. There's lots of different reasons we might not feel like things are right with God. And we might not have peace in our hearts. We might not have peace in our minds. Because of the circumstances. And we go, I think God is against me. I think God is against me. And the reason that we would feel that is because we get it mixed up in our minds. That somehow it's based on our actions and not on faith in Jesus. Because we know, the Bible tells us, we, when we have faith, His wrath is not against us. And so if we have this feeling that somehow God is against us, it is because we are not in that moment clinging to the faith that Jesus is the peacemaker. Right? In that moment, we are thinking, I did something wrong. Man, God's going to get me for this one. Or we're concerned about that, or we're worried, when is the other shoe going to drop? Yeah, I know I was justified by faith, but there was still that stuff that I did. No. We have peace. We have peace with God. In those moments that we feel that God is against us, we have to remind ourselves of this. Go back to this. Meditate on it. Memorize it. We've been justified by faith. I'm not the peacemaker. I'm not the reconciler. God has already reconciled me to Him by offering the gift of His Son. I just have to hang on to that. And then I have peace with God. One of the reasons I want to make such a big deal about that is because we're about to move into communion. We're going to come to the Lord's table. And one of the things that I have seen, observed, and even felt myself is that traditionally, the way we feel like we have to come to communion is with this pain in our hearts and this lament of our sin 
and this contrition because if we were to somehow take this inappropriately, then God's wrath would smash us down. And the reality is that when we come to the table, it is a reminder of Jesus' gift to us. That he died in our place. He took that wrath. When we come to the table, we have peace with God even in the coming to the table. Well, but Travis, what about the stuff I did last week? What about the stuff I did last night? Yeah. What about it? Christ has dealt with that. So that you can have peace with God. That's what I've been saying all morning. And yet somehow when we come to this point, we still want to feel guilty. As though we're still stuck in our sins and it hasn't been removed. But it has. So when we come to the table and we remember what Jesus has done, we don't have to be thinking about how... It was our sin who killed him and we don't have to feel guilty about all that stuff. Jesus gave that out of his love for us. It was his gift to us. When we come to the table, we just come in peace and gratefulness and worship. God, thank you. Thank you that we are at peace. Thank you that we are at peace. The worship team is about to come up. And as they do, um, I want you to be thinking about Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. And as we sing the next song, uh, there's a table in the front here and a table in the back. And I would encourage you, if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, would you uh, come up or go back there, take the cup and the bread and bring it back to your seat. And after the next song, I will come up and we will all take it together and rejoice about the peace that we have because of the gift of Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for your peace to us. We are grateful that though we deserve your wrath, your wrath is not kindled against us. We thank you that you are at once both just in dealing with sin and also the justifier of us, the unrighteous and ungodly, that when we believe that Jesus has taken our place, you justify us, you cleanse us, and make us righteous and holy before you. And so, Father, in that we rejoice and we celebrate. And I ask for those who are here Those who are uncomfortable, those who are anxious, those who are worried, that you would fill their hearts with peace as they believe that Jesus has died for their sins. And we ask this in his name. Amen.